Hey, brick and mortar business owner. I want your business to be the only option in town. And one of the ways is by being referable. So are you? Today we have Stacy Brown Randall on the show. She is a referrals expert and coach. She talks about the easiest way to grow a business is through referrals, but going after them can feel a little awkward, even desperate at times. So Stacy teaches business owners how to generate referrals naturally without asking, manipulating, or incentivizing. So we talk about the right way to define a referral and four different referral sources and is asking for referrals a good strategy and how to do it well. I even bring up how to be a good referral person. Like how do you refer people well? So we talked about that as well. A really interesting conversation and I really enjoyed it and even asked a personal question for my brick and mortar business. So I hope you'll like that too. Okay, everybody, get ready to learn from the beautiful Stacy Brown Randall. Let's get real. You've put your blood, sweat, and tears into creating a storefront that lights you up, serves your clients well, and contributes significantly to the community you love. You are my hero, and I affectionately call you a rebel woman. Hey there, my name is Melissa Rose, a brick and mortar business owner with a handful of kiddos and a few passion projects that I head up like this one. I'm also your visibility coach and consultant for a service-based business like yours. I'm passionate about helping small business owners thrive in their community and become the only option in town for their industry. In this podcast, we're going to share the nitty gritty of running a successful brick and mortar business by sharing stories, talking strategies, and learning practical tips to run a kick-ass business. Ready to be inspired, empowered, and equipped to create the small business of your dreams? Let's get real. Stacey Brown Randall, thank you for coming on the Brick and Mortar Visibility Podcast. I am so excited to learn from you and hear what you have to say all about referrals because I'm a big small business passionate woman here. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Melissa, for having me. I'm excited to spend some time with you. Yeah. So tell me, um, before we dive into all the nitty gritty, tell me what, what did you want to be when you grew up? This is a very easy one for me because it's the one that I'm teased about still to this day. Um, When I was growing up, I wanted to be the next Katie Couric. I assumed as is would be expected, somebody had to replace her. It certainly could be me. I actually went to college and got my broadcast journalism degree. I was on a teen, um, like I anchored a teen show on the weekends in my hometown when I was in high school. In my first year of college, like I was like, Sights were set. I was going to be the next mm-hmm. Katie Carrick. And then, you know, life happens. Everything changes. And then I didn't want to do that anymore. So, Well, you have your own podcast, so it's kind of you're still doing a little bit of that. Um, Without having to do my hair and makeup. So it's Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although she looks great. She looks amazing. Okay. So, and you also have a Tina Fey quality to you. Do you get that a lot? I don't. If you had the little glasses, you would be a Tina Fey lookalike, I think. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It must be the hairstyle because sometimes Maybe. when I wear it differently, um, when I was younger, I used to get Calista Flockhart and yes, 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 Mandy yes. Moore. I would get okay. those. Those would be the Okay. And I'm not, I'm surprised I knew who those people are. That's awesome. Right. And, okay. Cause I'm not really good at that, but very good. Okay. So Stacey, tell us who you are, what you do and who you serve. Yes. So I work with small business owners and I teach them how to generate referrals 
naturally. And when we say naturally, what we mean is the ability to generate referrals without having to manipulate, without having to incentivize, and without having to ask for them. So it's a it's a strategy about how we focus on relationships, but in a way that a busy business owner can actually maintain. And I've been doing this now for about, yeah, 10 years this year. So it has been, it's been a roller coaster, but I have yeah. definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 years in, so Clearly you've, you've done some work in this, but what made you decide or what made you realize that this is a need, like what you're doing? Oh, yeah. school of hard knocks. <laughs> like, well, obviously, yeah. I, I didn't wake up and it's like, I'm going to just, you know, figure out how to do referrals differently than 99.9% of the industry teaches it. I'm going to figure out how to do it differently and it's going to be great. I started my first business. It was actually a human resource HR consulting firm. And I had big name clients like Ally Bank and KPMG, one of the larger accounting firms. And so I had big name clients and I had that business for about four years before it actually ultimately failed. And I became a member of the Business Failure Club. I had to go back. I had to get a job in corporate America. I had to put on suits. I had to wear heels, like all the things. And I remember thinking, my clients loved me. I was good at what I did, but I couldn't quite figure out how to have consistent clients in the pipeline to know that I had you know, people to replace or clients to replace the clients that I was finishing up with. And then I started paying attention to how I did get the clients I did have. And it was a lot of networking. It was a lot of being at the right place at the right time. And really, Melissa, all that means is that I was everywhere all the time. <laughs> That's what that means when you're at the right place at the right time, in my opinion. And I have three kids. And that was not conducive to any type of lifestyle or life that I wanted to have for my husband and I. And so I went back to corporate America, figured out I can do this better. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I knew trying again was, I was definitely going to try again. And I started the business I have now 10 years ago. I was actually a productivity and business coach. I got certified while I was in corporate and I started throwing spaghetti on the wall of trying to figure out how to grow this business. I did what I knew. In the beginning, I did a lot of networking because it's what I knew. Um, But very quickly, I was throwing spaghetti on the wall to see, well, would this shift or would that change or how would that work? And before I knew it, I looked back after my first year and I'd gotten 112 referrals that I never had to ask for. And at the time as a productivity business coach, I, I had a coaching capacity of like 40 people, kind of in an ongoing kind of model. So to get 112 meant I got to be really picky. I got to raise my rates. I got to change how I did things. And my clients who were small business owners were like, um, you keep raising your rate. It's harder to get on your schedule. Now you've got office space. You used to come to me. Now I got to go to you or I got to be on the phone. Like what's happening. And I'm like, you know, I have these referrals coming in and it's great. And, and they're like, yeah, but that's not sustainable. And I was like, the strategy I built is making it so. And then they said, teach me. And I was like, oh crap, how, how do I do it? Like, how am I making it work? And that's what made me realize, oh, there's a strategy. There's a system. There's a process that I follow and I follow it repeatedly. And so I started teaching it. It was about 10 years ago. And eventually I shifted completely away from the productivity and business coaching and just focus on the referrals piece. Yeah, I, I just find it fascinating. I love it because it's so like, it's like so, so specific, so specific. Yeah. So, so what is the right way to define a referral? You know, this is one that I think everybody thinks they know the answer. And then when I describe it, they're like, oh, I never thought about it like that. And I think understanding the the definition of what a referral is really comes down to starting from a place of knowing why you want them. We want referrals because that prospective client walks in the door and they already trust us. They are usually less price sensitive because of that trust. They're just like, take my money, 
right? Sign me up, take my money, let's do this. They're usually quicker to close, easier to close. And it's for all those reasons that we want people referred to us. But when you unpack what has had to happen for them to show up, being referred to you, knowing they had a problem, wanting you to be the one who fixed it and solved it, already trusting you, being quicker and easier to close and less price sensitive, the reason for that are the two things behind what a referral actually is. And that is number one, there's a personal connection. You are always going to be personally connected by the referral source to the actual prospect that's then connected to you. Now, in a brick and mortar type, like local establishment, that's not going to be as easy as just an email coming into like the local CPA, right? Or maybe to the financial advisor or the interior designer. Those are more likely going to happen over email where your referral source is going to connect you to a prospect and they're going to do it over email. Um, In more of a walk-in, like retail type environment, um, it's going to happen more so the person knows to go check you out. And so they go check you out, but that connection piece is still there. And the other thing is, is they've got to have a need identified. Right? If I never want to actually sell my house, if I plan to die in my home, right? this, this is my forever home, I never need to be referred to, an, to a real estate agent. This is not relevant for me. So I have to have a need. And that's the reason why I'm willing to talk to you about solving my problem, whatever problem that is you solve. So personal connection and need identified in the prospect. So what are the four types of referral sources then? Yeah. So this is one of those things people are like, okay, I get referrals. Like it's like yeah. it's black and white, super simple. I'm like, oh gosh, there's so many layers to it. <laughs> there can be as nuanced as you want it to be. So we describe kind of like two overarching categories of referral sources. Now these are humans. They are always humans. The local chamber of commerce does not refer to you, right? There's someone in the local chamber of commerce that's going to be referring to you. So it's always a human. A referral source is always a human. The two big categories we put our referral sources in are people who have referred you before. So we call them our existing referral sources. And then we have our potential referral sources. It's those clients, those contacts, those centers of influence that you wish would refer to you. The people who haven't quite yet referred to you, right? So we look at our two categories as, hey, you've got people who've referred you, existing, people you want to refer you, potential. But under those two categories, there are four types. And they're either gonna be clients, centers of influence, family and friends, or strangers. And the way that that works, clients is pretty self-explanatory. Don't usually have to explain that one, right? Clients is someone who spent money with you now or in the past. Um, A center of influence is usually someone who knows what you do, but doesn't do what you do, but they come across your ideal client with some level Mm -hmm. of regularity. The -hmm. truth is anybody can refer you, but not everybody will. So it's it's the idea of looking for those that are more likely to refer you when they're not already a client, when they're a center of influence. And then depending on your business, you could have family and friends refer to you as well. Some industries are more likely to have that happen versus others. And then of course, strangers, which really just means they're a stranger to you You are not a stranger to them because they have to have some level of trust to send someone to you. And so in that case, usually it's, I find when people have strangers referring to them, they're like, this person just referred me. I don't even know who they are. More than likely that you've either been in business for a really long time. So you're just known. You've got like that brand recognition. They just know who you are. Um, Or they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who had a great experience with you and it stuck with them. And when the opportunity presented itself, they referred to you. Mm -hmm. We focus on building strategies and plans for our clients and our centers of influence. You can't build a strategy for strangers because by definition, you don't know who they are. And family and friends usually don't need anything to actually refer to you. They do it hopefully because they love you or 
at the very least, they want to see you be successful. So why is asking for referrals? You have your why is asking for referrals a bad strategy? Yeah, what do so you mean by that? Here's the easiest way to think about that. There's a lot of science that actually backs up what is happening in the mind of your referral source when they are referring you. And it actually has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them helping somebody else who has a problem. So there's there's a piece of science that talks about when you ask for a referral, you actually shortcut or you artificially create or manufacture something going on with a referral source that really needs to happen on its own. That doesn't mean there's not ways to influence it happening more often, but that direct ask right, really impacts their ability to make the referring to you their idea versus your idea because you've directly asked them. But the other thing to consider is when asking is how you generate referrals, that then becomes your trigger. And if that's the trigger for someone to think to refer you, you have to do a whole bunch of work. You've got to do a lot of asking. You've got to remember to ask. You've got to know who am I asking? When am I asking? Where am I asking? How often am I asking? And if that becomes the trigger, that's just way, way more work. And so people do ask for referrals. I mean, you probably remember times that you've been asked, right? I always tell folks is, how did you feel when someone asked you? And did you actually do what they asked of you? Usually when someone asks us to refer them, we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, that's just more work for me to do. And most of us are pretty busy ourselves. I would rather referring you be my own idea. And there are ways to create that within your referral sources. But asking really is going to manufacture something that doesn't actually exist. And then it becomes a lot of work. And in some cases, short changes the relationship in the future. So you mentioned getting referrals without incentives. So what do you like, what are some tips or tricks? Yeah. So here's the thing. Lots of people do have, so getting online reviews and referrals, let's first talk about that. That's totally separate, right? So you can ask for an online review. In fact, you should be asking. I actually have a program that's inside. um, It's a small program that's inside my coaching program called Testimonials Made Easy. And we teach an entire asking strategy because you're not asking someone to put their reputation on the line by referring someone else to you who may spend money with you. That's a referral. What you're asking when you ask for an online review or a Google review or a testimonial or a video review, whatever it is, you're just asking them to talk about their experience and they're just putting their name on it, but they're not actually referring you to someone else Mm -hmm. who may potentially spend money with you. So it's a different mindset shift in that regard. So you should be asking for testimonials and online reviews. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that because that's where I'm just like. Yeah, getting hung how up would I with ever that. get them? Right. I mean, yeah. you're probably thinking, how would I ever get them if I didn't ask for them? I'm the yeah. same way. I yeah. ask my clients as well. Um, I think there are times that it's better to ask than other times, right? Um, from that perspective. And I think what you're asking and how you're asking matters, but definitely you should be asking for testimonials, online reviews, things like that. Um, the reason why we talk about not incentivizing. Um, for people to give you referrals, it really is going to come down to the type of business you're in. And what I always start with is, is your referral program working? If it's working, I'm not here to break anything that's working in somebody else's business. And that's a decision you have to make. What I find when I'm working with my clients is that if they had to tell the other person, by the way, the client, if they had to tell that new client I paid someone to get you as a client and that creates a level of uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. I'm like, then you shouldn't be paying for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And in some industries I work in, it's actually like 
illegal. And then other industries I work in, it, it's it's fine, but it's coming down to personal choice. Mm-hmm. So we, our system works without having to have like the quote unquote referral program where you're like reminding people in email blast and, you know, up on the walls and stuff in your business that, hey, you can get $25 or a free class or whatever mm-hmm. when you refer us our friend. For some businesses though, that should probably be part of your strategy. It's just not a strategy I teach, mm-hmm. but for some businesses, it can certainly be a part of your strategy. I think about the company, this is such a random example, but it worked perfectly, so I'll share it. Yeah. Um, I think about the company that comes once a quarter and cleans our trash can and our recycle bin that we put out by the street, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't referred to them. I saw them cleaning my neighbors, and I was like, oh, yeah, we need that. And if they're using them, they must be good, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so I went online, found them, and then was submitted all the information for them to like sign us up for their um, for their program. And what they said was when they were I was signing up as, to be a client is how did you hear about us? And I yeah. said, oh, my neighbors. And then I thought, oh, I don't know my neighbor's address. I had to like walk down the street, look for their like street number. I knew the street name, but not the street number. And I was like, oh, so I put in their name and I put in their address. And I said, this is how I heard about you. And they clearly stated right there, thanks. We want to thank them and give them a free cleaning the next time we do their cleaning because they referred you to us. And it worked, right? There was an incentive for the other person. Not for me. I didn't get $25 off or I didn't get, right? But it was like, of course, I'm going to have my neighbors get a free trash can cleaning because that's what they get. And I want to, you know, be a good neighbor and, what, mm-hmm. and all the things, right? And so they walked down the street another, like after that, and they were like, hey, you got us a free trash cleaning. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. But they didn't ask me to do it, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were trying to send out an email or post in our neighborhood Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, we use this trash cleaning. When mm-hmm. you sign up, use our name so we can get all these free cleanings. Mm-hmm. Sometimes referral programs can feel self-serving. Mm-hmm. if As long as yours doesn't and it's working for you. And I think in some local, more brick-and-mortar type businesses, it actually will work well. It works really well in the technology industry in terms of like Uber, like those type of companies, Airbnb, the SaaS type companies, but not in all industries. So we focus on a strategy that doesn't include incentivizing. It's so interesting because I'm, I'm getting, I'm trying to keep it separate in my head, the the, the reviews, the testimonies, and then our referral program. And we, we gift both people a little something for a referral for, for that um, and just how different people do it. Okay, so when you, when you think of referring or when I think of referring, the first thing that comes to mind is BNI. Like you're in a BNI networking group and <laughs> that ask. And I just, mm, it's not my favorite. Okay, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> oh, and, um, you know, so when they come up with their little commercial and their need and their, their ask for the week, you know, my first instinct is, you know, who do I know that, that I can refer, but is that not the case for most people? Or so here's here's the thing. Here? Most people don't, most people aren't sitting around thinking, how can I help you grow your business today? They're sitting around thinking about themselves, right? I mean, that is the reality. We wake up and we think about our day and what we've got going on. That doesn't mean we don't care about other people and we don't do things for other people. I have seen, here's my opinion on groups like BNI, not just BNI, but other groups like them. I think it has a lot to do with the people in the room. Mm-hmm. The relationships you form, the friendships that grow from that, the willingness to help each other, even if you're not getting anything in return. Um, I had a conversation one time with some folks who worked at the headquarters for BNI, and they said the mandatory referrals thing is it wasn't ever intentionally to be mandatory, but a lot of groups make it that way. Like if you're going to be in a group, you got to pass referrals. And you're not really passing referrals at that point. You're passing leads. 
We don't actually know if this person needs what you need. I think they need, but they've never told me they have a need, which actually goes, that violates, right? The definition of a referral, meaning the prospect has a need and they know it. And so, you know, for a lot of folks, I tell them, I was like, I don't, I don't care what groups you're in. You should be using those opportunities to develop deeper relationships with people that you think have potential to refer to you. But if all you're doing is showing up and then just giving your pitch and then waiting for things to happen, that's why I think most people are a little disappointed in some of those organizations or groups that they're in. Like you've got to invest in those organizations. You've got to make sure that you're spending time getting to know the people right? And I think that people don't do that. I think they join something like a BNI and they know that they are going to have to pass referrals. I call them leads. They have to pass leads out and they hope that other people are going to pass leads to them. But I can't tell you how many folks I've worked with and they've said, yeah, I've gotten some referrals or some potential clients for my BNI members, but it's, it's you know, few and far between. Well, it has a lot to do with who the other members are and who they come across. And do they actually know people that they can refer to you? Like I, um, went a number of years ago, I worked with the doggy daycare and she was like, I got like one or two clients and or referrals from my BNI. I'm like, obviously you're in a group with a whole bunch of people who don't have dogs. So they yeah. don't know other people that had dogs. She was like, I never thought about it like that. I'm like, we think lots of people have dogs. Of course you'll be connected to lots of people, but no one's walking around that day thinking, how do I fill up Nicole's doggy daycare with some new clients? Like nobody thinks like that when they walk around on the day-to-day basis. So those groups can be fine if you're going to work them accordingly. But a lot of times the time in is not necessarily going to equate to what you're going to get out of it. But that is a decision each person kind of has to make. Stacey, can you give us some examples of how to be a good referral or a uh... For, is it refer e like refer, the person yeah, so referral source yeah okay thank you <laughs> yes i i find saying refer e and refer it's like very confusing so okay. we need to say referral source how can we be how can we be better give us some tips on how to be better for people yeah so that's a great question you ask because most people never ask that question they never ask the question hey how can i be a better referral source for somebody else and i think it comes down to the idea of thinking of the people you want to help and then figuring out how you can help them. Um, I think that when you are giving referrals, give complete referrals. What Let, does that if you, mean? Yeah. When you're giving a complete referral, it means that you are actually connecting the prospect to the business that, or the business owner that you're going to refer to. You're connecting them together over email. Or at, the, at a minimum, you're letting that business owner know, hey, I referred this person to you today. Be on the lookout for them. So when we teach people like how to give referrals, we're like make the connection happen, allow the trust transfer to happen, make that connection so the business owner knows who to follow up with, right, from that perspective. And then make sure you're referring people that have a need. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to state that need. I mean, if the prospect's really interested in solving their need, they kind of need the business owner to know why they're being referred to them. So it's like complete information and the complete closing of the loop regarding the person that you are referring to that business owner. Um, But, you know, giving referrals, I always, you know, there's something to be said. We believe that you don't have to give referrals to receive them, right? We create a strategy and a process for people that will refer to you, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll be able to refer back to the people referring to you. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. But at the end of the day, let's be honest, like karma does exist. So like, Mm -hmm. if you want to get referrals, you probably should consider what are other businesses that you could be referring to as well. Mm -hmm. Just put more goodness out there in the world. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, so yes, this, okay. So I always think, how can I be better 
because I'm a very, I try to be hands out, like give. So that way I'm able to receive. So then your business focuses on how your business can be more referable. Yes. Being more referable and then having strategies in place to generate more referrals, to receive more referrals. Mm -hmm. So we teach from what we call a referrals ecosystem. When we look at the science behind why referrals happen, and we look for where all the areas within your business where you could be generating referrals, we call it the referral ecosystem. And there are main areas, a couple of like four main areas in your business where you should have actual strategies or processes or plans that you are executing from depending on the situation. Um, We actually teach 19 different strategies for people to generate referrals. Not every business needs all 19, but just depending on who your business is, there may be some you need and some you don't. But when we think about the ecosystem, they all 19 fall under these four categories, which are number one, you need to have a strategy that's based on specific people, your existing referral sources. What do you do? What do you say so that you can generate more referrals more consistently from them? And then also potential referral sources, that client that is so well connected, you would just love for him or her to start referring to you. What do you do? What do you say? How do you nurture that person who's never referred you into an actual referral source? So specific people is one area you should focus on. It's also usually where business's low-hanging fruit is. Mm-hmm. The next area is your client experience. And we believe in building a referable client experience, which means making your business referable, doing the things that make you referable, but also paying attention to what we call referral moments and your hot zones and patterns of where there's the potential for a client to refer you. You just need mechanisms in place to be able to draw out that referral. The third area is in your buyer's journey. Now, this is a little bit different when somebody makes a very fast decision on who they're going to hire. So whether how much you can get out of the buyer's journey really has to do with how long your sales cycle is, right? So for some people I work with, their sales cycle could be 18 months. I don't think it takes anybody 18 months to decide if they're going to sign their child up for dance lessons. Right? Like, <laughs> your kid is like moved on to another sport by then, right? Like <laughs> It's going to happen quicker. So what it looks like within the... Um, buyer's journey of a prospect making the decision to say yes to you instead of somebody else, you know, that really depends on your sales cycle, but that's the third area. And then the fourth area is what are you doing in your overall, like just your sales processes within your marketing, within your social media, within the events that you have, different things like that, that you're doing that are more prospecting and marketing in nature. Um, There's things that you can be doing to plant referral seeds there too. So I have a question for you as a local brick and mortar, we have great, we have great testimonies. We're at the top rated dance studio in the area, Twin Cities area, genuinely. Um, we have, I've been in business 15 years. Um, when I was earlier in business, it was always word of mouth people coming in the door. Oh, so-and-so down the street told me, or Oh, so-and-so. And now when I ask people, and I genuinely ask every new person that comes in the door because I, I see them, I'm like, so how did you hear about me? And even just today, I taught a ballet class right before this podcast. So, um, the gal coming in, I was like, so how did you hear of us? And she goes, I, I saw you on Google. I was just Googling you and blah, blah, blah. So as a marketing person who really pays attention to SEO and marketing and all the things. So how can I like, is, do you see a swing in referrals as businesses get more established or longer or talk to me about that? 
Because I feel like I'm not being referred as much. So I do think, okay, so there's a lot of things here that we can unpack (laughs) as the exact reason why. More than likely, it's a combination of things. So the fact that you are asking and you are used to consistently hearing people say, so-and-so referred me to you or so-and-so told me to check you out. And now you're hearing, I found you on Google, right? I did a search for dance studios and up you popped. There's a couple of things that could be at play here. And I think they're relevant for people paying attention to what's changing, right? Just in the environment. When, I, when I'm having a conversation with like a financial planner, right? Or even an interior designer, I know that there are things that I teach that are like timeless, that are always going to be the same for them no matter what, just because of the amount of money we invest when we go to our financial planner or the or when we go to our interior designer, that there's always that level of the more higher dollar it is, the more likely we are to want that referral yeah. versus a dance studio who has like not the other, every industry has a lot of competition, right? But I do think that when people are looking for a dance studio, I think what would be fascinating is if you started tracking the age. So maybe it's a little bit generational. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've got some young. I am not a young mom anymore. I now have boys in high school and a daughter in her last year of middle school. There's nothing young feeling, I guess, about me in that regards. The women today. Right. And obviously the men today that are bringing their daughters and our sons in to start dance early. What's their age? Like, I think that's a relevant thing to track. I'm a big track. I track it all Mm -hmm. and don't make decisions until you've tracked it. Right. So what's their age that they're walking in the door of the parent themselves? Is it the 40 year old mom, or is it the 25 year old mom? Well, we're talking about two totally different generations. You're talking about a 45 year old mom. We've got a generation X. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a 25 year old mom. Now we're talking about the youngest of the millennials and quite possibly generation Z. Now we're talking about multiple generations there. So that's one thing to consider. I think the other thing is, is the longer we're in business, the more the algorithm likes us. And I think we just show up more. And so even if somebody was told, Hey, you need to check out this dance studio they're still checking you out on Google. We all do that. I don't care what business you're in. We're still doing a credibility check. We're still checking, particularly in what you do in the industry that you're in, we're still checking those reviews as well. Mm -hmm. We wanna make sure other people had a good experience. And so I do think even when someone is referred, if they also went to Google to check you out, sometimes they forget. Mm -hmm. They -hmm. just forget and it's recency bias. They remember the last thing they saw when they were checking you out, it was the last step they took before they made the decision to sign up for that, you know, test class mm-hmm. or sure. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's how you ask, it's what you're asking, and then recognizing that some of it is a little bit harder to uncover than we would prefer. I do think that, I don't know how you're asking, and you may be doing this perfectly, but I do tell folks, don't say, how do you hear about us? Ask the question, did someone tell you? about us because that will trigger in their mind. Wait, my neighbor told me about you. And then I went and checked you out on Google and saw that you had a million five-star reviews. So it's sometimes how we ask as well, elicits the response we get. And we got to be really careful not to lead, you know, lead them into the answer. That is what they most likely to remember from the last thing they did. So those are just two things to consider. Thank you. Thank you. That's helpful because it is, it's always interesting and it's always fun to learn. Um, this is really interesting, Stacey. I just want you to share quickly, um, how do people work with you? What's the time frame? Like how long do people work with you? What's your program? Share with us that and where people yeah. can find you. 
Yeah. So the best place to find me is our home base, which is our website, stacybrownrandall.com. Stacy does have an E. You know, I always tell folks there's something for everyone, depending on what you want to learn and how much access you want to me. We have a couple of great online programs or like self-study online programs. That's for the do-it-yourselfer who can actually decide to sign up for an online program and then actually go through the modules <laughs> and watch the video. <laughs> Some people are better. Do better the work, people. Oh. Right. If you can do the work without someone holding your hand and making you do the work, or you having to pay way more to do the work, then yeah. we have online programs like some of those foundational strategies that we talked about, uh, we teach in our um, online self-study programs as well, like generating more referrals from your referral sources. That's growth by referrals. Or we have how to turn clients and contacts into referring machines and referable client experience. So we have online programs, but I also have a coaching program that's also available for folks who want to learn all of those 19 strategies, but they want me to tell them what order to go in and they want access to me on a weekly basis for our group question and answer period. And then also milestone one-on-one calls with me too. We kind of do both within our coaching program, which is called building a referable business. Um, So those are usually the best ways that I tell folks to dip their toe in. But really, if what they're hearing and they're listening to this episode and they're like, I just want to know more, then grab my book. It's probably the least expensive thing you can do, um, depending on how much Amazon is charging for it. But it's generating business referrals without asking or just add my podcast roadmap to referrals to your listening queue and just start Mm -hmm. listening to a couple episodes and soak in that information If at that point you want to take the next step with me, trust me, we talk about how you can work with me if you want to as well. Awesome. Yes. So check out our podcast. Um, Lots of good nuggets in there. I started listening when after you got uh, got your email. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Anything else you want to leave, Stacey, with anybody? Anything else you want to share? You know, the one piece of advice I always give to companies or to business owners when I'm having conversations with them is if you're trying to figure out where to start with referrals, you should start by first identifying who your referral sources are. Because if you know you have people referring you, that's your low-hanging fruit. That's the easiest place to start to start getting more referrals faster. If you don't have anybody referring you, well, that's a different place to start. But just, we talk about it. It's in chapter eight of my book. We have it on the resource tab on my website. Like, how do I correctly identify who my referral sources are to get an idea of who is actually referring you? That is gold to your Mm -hmm. business and your ability to put a strategy in place to take better care of them with the right language. They refer you more often. It's easier than you think. Awesome, Stacey. I appreciate your time and sharing your wisdom here on the Brick and Mortar Visibility Podcast. Everybody go check her out. Everything will be linked below in the show notes and um, appreciate you, Stacey. Have a great week. Thanks. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you here. Same time, same place next week. Peace. Bye-bye. Oh my goodness, you are still here. You are so awesome. So here's what you're going to do. Number one, you're going to click that follow button so that you can get the latest episode of Brick and Mortar Visibility every week. Second, leave an honest rating on Apple iTunes. This is how more people can know about Brick and Mortar Visibility. And number three, come on over to Facebook into the Rebel Women Tribe. The link is in the bio. This is where I hang out and share with you every week the nitty gritty of running a studio business. I share with you the tips, tools, and strategies that are working right now in my business to help you in yours. It's real, it's raw, it's unfiltered, and it's fun. So come on over. I'd love to meet you.